I'm not in the letterbox. Um, although I I am kind of delighting at at someone, which is to say, most people who don't have context for that question. <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't provide context. We don't provide any context. Uh, um, I. I, I just want to, for, for the record, um, in terms of not providing context, I, I, so I listened to last week's podcast because I wasn't able to attend to listen last night. And I did really enjoy your shout out to the, the light cone militia uh, that was very subtle and appreciated. Listen, you got to have the callbacks to previous episodes. <laughs> Absolutely. So hey, speaking of previous episodes, just uh, a really sad note that that we um, just at the top here um, for those that uh, did not see uh, Chris Nova, who was a guest on the podcast uh, last year and a really beloved technologist, um, died in a climbing accident last week. Um, and really gutted to see that news um yesterday i think that that uh everyone was really in in shock um chris is someone who had a real it is especially chris would have loved this episode right i mean this is Absolutely. this is right up her alley in a lot of ways um in terms of infrastructure as code and devops and uh a real light in the industry um who you know i adam i i, I re-listened to that episode yesterday i just wanted to rehear her in her own voice uh, and really was reminded again what a great presence she was um, and really uh, tragic that she was taken from us so soon. So it was a very sad note over the weekend and, and our hearts yeah. obviously go out to, to Chris's uh, family and, and loved ones who I know are, are devastated by the loss. Um, so Chris, you're gonna you you will you live on in our hearts for sure. Um, but but we, we miss you today. Um, Absolutely. So and then Adam, you you mentioned that you I um you, you were listening to last week's episode. Um, yes. Where uh, first of all, did you did you had you heard Fred Brooks's voice? <laughs> no, I hadn't. I really it was it was delightful not only to hear his voice but to hear your impersonation of him which was very well crafted my 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 foghorn leghorn impersonation <laughs> um, of uh, fred brooks uh i was just like i just had not heard his voice before um before the podcast i uh, do want to give an update on that that the um the the silver bullet was was announced at ten fifty nine a.m on on Tuesday, and uh, I feel I, I feel, I'm feeling pretty good about my prediction. Namely, there's going to be technical depth, uh, and it is not going to be the biggest paradigm shift in software development in the last thirty years. So, um, interesting stuff there for sure. But I think I think we I I feel safe with the you know it's a little gutsy to report to record the podcast on on Monday for a Tuesday. Now. <laughs> really calling your shot exactly really when you could have just waited twelve hours or something. But yeah. <laughs> I know. And did you have any context for anything that was going on for you, or did you had you seen any of that? Uh, I I had just barely enough context because I uh, I had seen the proclamations of hundred exitude, um, <laughs> so I did have enough context for the sub podcast. Um, so, uh, but I, I have not caught up on the big announcement. Um, so glad that there is some technical depth, but. Also, not surprised to hear your report that it's not a silver bullet. Not a silver bullet. Um, so Fred Brooks can uh, 
be assured from beyond the grave there that he that, that he's, he's still uh, does not need to to uh, we don't need to update that essay quite yet. And then another thing you may have missed is uh, which gets us kind of on point today um, is the the Hashi announcement. When was that? That was. That was, uh, well, I, I remember it well because the day that uh, COVID infected our house. So it was uh, August 10th. So 11 days ago, I guess. Um, so just just saw that uh, kind of popping through. And had you, uh, but the, the, you were uh, obviously had other, other things to <laughs> focus on. Yeah, um, but uh, did, did, did was lucid enough to kind of take take a look through that, and and I was really disappointed. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I really think of uh, hold Hashi in a lot of respect, and so was and I, I have used and contributed to Hashi projects. So I was really disappointed to see them going the BSL route, which which is terrible. Are we going to distinguish the BSL route by even like calling it the BSL? I just feel like it's th this is a uh, I mean, this is not open source. This is, this is it's not open source. And, and I, I mean, I'm not going to say to their credit, because not to their credit, but they don't refer to BSL as open source. They have in their fact a bunch of euphemisms are, that use the word source um, and availability and things like that, but but don't kind of paint it as a open source-ish choice. They merely like imply that there is some relationship. Fact is bad. Fact is really yeah. bad. I I mean, just this idea that that we well, so we we should describe what happened. Um, the and then by way of of introducing our guests here, we got Josh and Malcolm here. Um, that um, and actually maybe actually we'll turn to them and have Josh. Do you want to uh, describe what kind of what they announced? And uh, I'd actually be curious. Did you ha if you had any kind of heads up on this before they announced it? Sure. So yeah, first, it's really great to be here. Um, this is a yeah, a really cool podcast. So thanks so much for having me. So as far as what they announced, um, it really the uh, the key summary was that all of their major open source projects used to be MPL licensed, and it's been that way for anywhere from five to nine years, depending on the project. And uh, about two weeks ago, they made the fateful decision to uh, change from that open source MPL license to this so-called BSL uh, or business source license. And that's not a, a really well-known license. Uh, we, at, so I'm the co-founder and chief product officer at Gruntwork, and we do a lot of work with Terraform. Uh, we were not given any kind of heads up, and so. Oh, it was just one of those things that was shared, like in our company Slack, uh, the day it came out. And so you uh, had you had no heads up on this. Yeah, yeah, no heads up. It, it I, I don't know why I'm acting surprised because so much <laughs> else about this has been mishandled. But that just seems, man, that seems because I mean, this is something you've built a business around in terms of Terraform is at the kind of the foundation of what you're doing. It sounds like. Yeah, um, yeah. So Rumor helps companies with uh, what we call DevOps foundations, and we've always thought of ourselves as agnostic to the technologies. We just wanted to choose the best technology, but we always thought Terraform was the best tool for the job. And so we wound up building up hundreds of thousands of lines of code of like commercial grade modules 
all written in Terraform, along with a bunch of tools like CSED and that use Terraform and things like that. So yeah, it, it it's very much a layer in our stack, and uh, it was it, it was kind of shocking to see that a layer that we had just assumed was open source and would always be open source um, was was not. Uh, one of the jokes in our Slack uh, internally was. You know, we said in life there are three certainties, uh, death, taxes, and Terraform will always be open source. And uh, oh. so that third one <laughs> wow. turned out to be wrong. <laughs> I, I, I honestly thought you were going to say death, taxes, and an update for our community. are the, the, the three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you must have just been feeling the color drain out of you reading that. I mean, that must have been just shocking then. I mean, to certainly, I mean, like you, I've always viewed, uh, and I think I love their choice of the MPLV2. We all are also big MPL fans, and I just did not see this coming at all. Um, yeah, that must have been really gutting to see. And so, right, can I ask you, because I think Adam and I are trying to figure this out. <laughs> Adam was like, Look, I know, like, I was sick, so I think I missed the day that they announced the rationalization for this, I think, that I... Well, just, we've seen this kind of thing before, right, with with uh, Confluent, we've seen it with Mongo, where it was kind of clear that they felt like they were getting a raw deal from cloud providers, and they, I don't know, misguidedly, but felt like they could provide some protections using this kind of legal mechanism. And it just wasn't clear at all to me who Hashi was worried about. <laughs> okay, so can you answer that question, please? Because I have the same question. Like, who is this? Okay, like, look, we talked about who our we yes, we had an episode that was a sub a sub tweet. Who are we talking about here? Who's the target of this? You, yeah. Uh, so what's what's funny is those of us who thought we might be targeted by it uh, kind of had no doubt. Uh, so it is interesting to hear the other perspective. Um, so there's a number of alternatives to some of uh, the commercial Terraform products out there. Um, just to name the, the, the most popular ones, um, there's uh, TerraTeam, um, who's uh, the co-founder of whom is Malcolm, who's on the line with us here. Um, M0, Scalar, Spacelift. Um, and then there are a number of others and uh, all of them essentially compete with Terraform Cloud. And so I, I think the, the narrative internally at HashiCorp was something to the effect of, hey, we HashiCorp are funding all the development for Terraform, but look at all these providers out there competing with us, earning a bunch of money. And some of them are venture backed and have raised multiple rounds of money. And I, I'm, I'm guessing that, uh, that, that was not seen as a positive sign uh, inside of HashiCorp. So, I, and if you look at some of the FAQ language as well um, around how they define embedded, it, it's sort of oddly precise, in my opinion, to target um, really all these like Terraform for CICD type vendors. Huh. So, it's, so the target is all of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, so, I. I Okay. What's a little weird about this line of questioning is, I, so a bunch of us uh, in, in this named group, we all got together and 
as I think you're working up to, you know, we, we ultimately formed a, a consortium. But um, one of the, the kind of philo philosophical tenets of that consortium is we are not anti-HashiCorp. Uh, in fact, we're, we're all very grateful for what HashiCorp created. I mean, Terraform was an amazing technology, and by most measures, they're an amazing company. So it's really important to all of us not to be anti-HashiCorp just because they made a decision that happens not to meet our needs or that we disagree with as members of the Terraform community. Uh, but, but yeah, ultimately, there are some implications of that, and uh, that, that it's worth talking through what those are because they're... Yeah, I mean... Yeah. And I think I first of all I should say that I, I love the, the the spirit of the OpenTF effort in terms of of really uh, trying to guide Hashi back to the kind of the right decision here, um, and also totally appreciate just the 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 spirit by which you're like look we we are grateful for this. This is kind of the, there's this narrative that um, we're we're not seeking to kind of take advantage of the development of others. Um, it is. Uh, th th that said, I just think it is, um, it's very strange to me that Hashi would kind of go after this, what is effectively a startup ecosystem, um, which, I mean, generally startups should not go after other startups. <laughs> this is kind of one of those, <laughs> when you see a startup spending time on other startups, it's like, look, what, the, 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 that's the wrong, you should be going after incumbents. And I kind of thought there might be some incumbent so do you, do you think Terraform, and again, not to not to kind of push you out of your comfort zone here, but do you, was Terraform the motivation? Because I kind of assumed that Vault would have been the motivation. You know, great question. I, I'm not as familiar with the Vault ecosystem. Uh, I, and, and then it, it, it felt like for those of us in the Terraform ecosystem, there were these obviously thriving companies that you know, maybe Hashcorp felt were counter to its goals for, for some reason, but I, I'm just not familiar with uh, the other ecosystem. But I, even so, the, the, the classic example they always give in the FAQ is always like, you can't do Vault as a service. And I, I didn't know if that was like a, a straw man example, or if there really are like Vault as a service offerings that, co that companies have been offering that, uh, you know, without a partnership with Hashcorp that they've been trying to crack down. So. As far as I have seen, it is focused on Terraform, but I also feel like I'm not personally aware nearly as much of the other systems that they play in uh, compared to the Terraform one. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I don't know of a a managed fault outside of HashiCorp, but I knew. I do know the other secrets management companies were concerned, particularly those that that wrote their own uh, secrets management software, but they use Terraform to manage their infrastructure. Like now they're a competitor to HashiCorp. Can they use, can they use Terraform? And like, this was an early concern, but this is another one of those things that's been amended in the FAQ. So if you're not managing that tool or making a managed offering of that tool, then you're not considered in a violation of the, 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 the Boosle license. So I, I missed the amendment to the FAQ. So what was the, the what was their amendment? Yeah, they keep they've they've added a number of amendments, but there was one the other day that was added that said that if you if you use a hashi tool, let me look up what number it is real quick. Sorry, I should have these all memorized by now. Uh, I've been <laughs> at this page about seven thousand times. Yeah, Chrome's recommending it to me constantly. Um, uh, Thanks, Chrome. I hadn't seen this. Yeah. Thank you. Give me one second here. I can't remember. And are they? It, it, 
hopefully that language is going to be in the license itself. Because I mean, I think it's just again, I know my my perspective on this is maybe slightly sharper than 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 the rest of yours, but the. Um, I, I mean, I really think that there's a lot, whether it's deliberate or not, there's a huge amount of ambiguity about, I mean, these are products that are, are kind of like span the stack, I mean, deliberately, really. And so there's a bunch of questions about who competes with what. The language is pretty vague. And Adam, I mean, we had this issue with, with Cockroach, where we are effectively using BSL code from Cockroach in Oxide. And... I'm trying to remember if that if the more specific language came before or after our use of cockroach, but cockroach's language is really very very specific about um, because we had the question of like, hey, uh, we are using this as the foundation of the oxide control plane. Um, are we going to be violating the the BSL um, or the I believe Josh, you called it the so-called BSL, which is what I I insist that we all call it the, the so-called BSL. Um, but they were, um, to Cockroach's credit, they were very explicit about what it what constitutes databases as a service. And in particular, if a user cannot create a schema or modify a schema, it does not. They consider it to be non-competitive. It's like, okay, great. That's very that's very specific and technical. That's not a entry in a fact. That's like in the license. It's very concrete. We don't really have that here. But correct me if I'm if that's incorrect. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to speak to that, actually, because I've done a lot of thinking about their, their license. Uh, so, so just to be clear, the way that they structure their license, uh, they use this you know, business source license, which, by the way, sometimes people say BSL because that's the acronym for business source license. And sometimes people like Corey uh, just a moment ago say BUSL because that's the official SPDX uh, short handle for the business source license. So just in case anyone's a, a nerd on that kind of stuff like I am. I, I also say Busel because it sounds gross, and I want people to realize. <laughs> I like it. I like Busel. Uh, uh, oh, I, I like. I I just got out of a Busel relationship. I think yeah. I think I think Meta Busel every morning. Um, <laughs> yeah. I never appreciate all of these puns. Well, yeah. So the I, okay, I'm just going to adopt it now. I guess the Busel. Um, it as a, as a standard license, it just says absolutely no production usage is allowed, but you can do anything you want for non-production usage. And then the way it's structured is they have this thing called an additional use grant. And if you actually look at the license text, it's like this header that they have there. So it's almost like metadata to the text. And the one additional use grant that they give you is, use, is they say you can use it in production as long as A, you're not a competitor, and B, if you are a competitor, you don't embed Terraform uh, or host Terraform. And so to go back to your original point, uh, Brian, um, one of the major issues with that is that it's vague. Uh, what does it mean to be a competitor? What does it mean to embed? And what does it mean to host? And to Hushcorp's credit, they have addressed that, but kind of. Like the, the first issue I have is that they address it in the FAQ. And uh, you know, an FAQ is not a license. And so now you're, you're left to wonder as an end user, like, okay, so I read the license and it's unclear. So I go to the FAQ. The FAQ adds additional clarity, but is that binding and can that change? You know, so, so it's, it's, it's vague. And not only that, but even the definitions that they give in the FAQ, um, it, it's like more words, but it, it still has ambiguity. And, and so that's well, like, They've already made it clear that it can change, right? They just changed it. They just changed the license. So they've made it clear the license for the software. 
is what they feel like. They, the FAQs, to be clear, when you go to the FAQs, each of the FAQs has a last, each one has a last <laughs> updated date, and the embedded one was updated today. So there's a there's a more clear definition that was added today of what embedded means. Uh, by the way, the one we were talking about earlier was point twenty six. It's a question twenty six. <laughs> so this if, is, I, if I may, part, you know, part of the reason this is so disappointing is that so much of you know for Terraform, for example, Terraform's success to me at least has been on the back of its openness, and people may I'm sure the the you know folks. Uh, who are embedded Terraform into their products? Who are you know, represented here? Made that choice in part because of its openness. You know, when I started using Terraform years and years ago, I wouldn't have used it if it was some proprietary software or even if it was some Busel software. It was because of its openness. So it's so disappointing to have the ladder pulled up. You know, Adam, you're really right, and I because I, I feel, and this is part of the reason why open source became so important for infrastructure software, is that it it you got investment protection, and one of the things that you know folks don't necessarily remember from the battle days of uh, of proprietary software, but if you've got proprietary software now, that 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 remains. Um, you will see bad behavior from rent sinking companies where the, you will build a product based on a proprietary product. And now when you go to re-up your license or, or suddenly you've lost all of your leverage and that investment protection was really, really important. I mean, Adam, part of the reason that you'd had that disposition around Terraform was like, hey, I'm going to build some infrastructure that's going to stick around for a while. And I, it's kind of my responsibility to the future to make sure that, that we're building on something where they don't have to worry about this. And, the, the, that, and I, I, I really think, you know, I gave this talk a, a decade ago on corporate open source anti-patterns. And I, I said, actually, that I, was, I would come back in, in 2022 to talk about, you know, the new mistakes that we had made. And I, I really feel that first among them is relicensing. I, I I think that there is a social contract here that is um, being set aside, and I think especially for those folks that contributed. And Adam, you mentioned you you contributed at some point to Terraform. Right. I'm sure Josh, you, Malcolm, and Corey, and you've got certainly have folks who have those folks assigned their copyright to HashiCorp, and to me that assigned because HashiCorp demanded it. And to me, that assignment of copyright bounded that relationship by trust. Like, I am now trusting you to um, to exercise my intent, which is to keep this open source under the MPLB2. I also think um, I, I, well, yeah, um, go ahead. one reason there's so much talk about Terraform versus Vault or anything like that is Terraform is different in that it benefits from more users. You get more people writing providers, more people writing tools on top of it. Um, whereas Vault and Console, those sort of benefit from enough people to keep the the code being developed. But Terraform's really, it's a, it's a language, it's a compiler to turn HCL into infrastructure. And I think that's different. And those are more community projects rather than just products. Absolutely. And I, I do think, and that's why I am, I, I mean, I think... You know, this was a, a bad idea, poorly implemented, but one of the, the kind of complexions of poor implementation here is the fact that this was done across this entire very disparate suite. 
so it's very hard to kind of suss out the intent. Um, and I had kind of assumed, although now, you know, I'm really questioning that assumption that Terraform was kind of collateral damage on the way to going to monetize alt um, to get, or, or to prevent AWS, for example, or a cloud provider um, from having a vault-based service. But um, it kind of sounds like that's not the case, honestly. Um, and which is really, it's, it, 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 however you cut it, it, it violates the trust that is so important in open source. I mean, Adam, you'd kind of said this point earlier about like, you know, when they're, everything they kind of say in the fact is like, well, I'm, I'm having some trust issues <laughs> with you now. <laughs> so, um, and Josh, I'm sure you and Malcolm and Corey and, and the, the kind of the broader Terraform community, I mean, you almost feel like if at this point, actually were to walk it back, I, don't you feel that you still are, would have some trust issues there? I I definitely would. I, pr I probably have like the spiciest takes out of the group. So take take some take some uh, some heartburn. Yeah, Corey, you're definitely the spiciest. I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but like the trust. I mean, I, I wrote a blog post on Friday, um, uh, kind of about this. I spent a lot of time watching um, some videos of uh, Mitchell and Armand. I don't I don't know them personally, just to be clear. I, I watched a bunch of videos. I was trying to get like. I mean, I'm a founder of a very early stage company, right? And so I was trying to like get an idea of like what like what happened, right? And like just trying to make a through line as to like where it went from this team of people that really cared about open source to where we landed. And I don't know if you guys talked about this before I joined. I'm old, so it took me forever to get into Discord. But uh, like there's a fallout that's happening right now. Like CNCF is looking at pulling uh, HashiCorp tools from multiple uh, dev workflows for uh, Container D, Kubernetes Kind, Flux2, Argo Project, like there's a bunch of people that now have busy work where they're going to try to pull these tools out and replace them with CNCF equivalents so there's no issues, right? And so it's like, like this has ended up in a very weird place for a company that's so committed to open source. But I think that what's really telling about where HashiCorp is as a company today is like they were committed to open source, sure, but we had the same panic two years ago when they announced they weren't taking PRs anymore because they were understaffed. Does anybody remember that? Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They stopped taking contributions. They didn't ask for help. They didn't do a call for maintainers. They stopped accepting community is what they did, right? Like, that's really what they did. They stopped accepting community. And now, in the light of huh. the, this happening, you see competitors and people in the space come together and offer resources we're offering them the community they say that they want but that that's like that's the thing that's really weird for me about like their commitment is like i feel like they don't have a commitment to open source i don't think they really care about the community as much as they try to make it out to be and, and this boost will change i think there's something else probably driving it but like the community is here like we want to help we don't want a fork we're contributing resources we're offering things and HashiCorp isn't accepting them. And that's what we really, I think, want to push for is like getting this to not be a fork and really getting them to come back to where they used to be. And, and will we be able to trust them from there? Like, I mean, I, I think if they truly handed it over to a foundation, yeah, but simply a license reversal, reverting a commit isn't going to do it. I, I think we got to see it land in a foundation's hands. Well, and so, and, and Corey, I, I can't judge by the latency in terms of you getting into Discord in terms of your exact age. It's like tree rings in terms of like aging, <laughs> so, determining the, the exact vintage. But I don't know if you remember Hudson, uh, and I feel like Hudson has been kind of culturally lost. So 
Um, Hudson was a ubiquitous platform for CI, and um, one of the, the 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 many horrific things that Oracle did, um, the kind of the, the mechanized Oracle did after the acquisition of Sun was they decided that actually um, there was that Hudson what they were going to enforce the trademark of Hudson, um, and it was effectively going to be proprietary, and the community turned on a dime and turned that into Jenkins. And Hudson was, Jenkins was actually, was Hudson for many years. And um, and it was remarkable to me how quickly, just for all the same reasons you're outlining, because this, there's, a, there's a real broad grassroots momentum around Jenkins. And uh, I mean, Adam, you remember that, the whole, and, and it happened very, very yeah, quickly. We, we, had just started, like, yeah, we had just started using Hudson and... and uh, and it just, the whole, it was like schooling fish. Everyone turned at the same instant. It was remarkable. And, and Jenkins like survived and thrived. Um, so I, I do think that we, I mean, fortunately, Oracle provides a, a case study for the survival of, of open source projects after the, the most mendacious corporate behavior. <laughs> um, thank you, Oracle, I guess. Um, and just in terms of, of the you know the strength of the community being able to kind of propel uh, an alternative forward or because I think is you know another by the way another uh, and this is a great segue into the OpenTF work that that, that you all have, have kind of brought to the, come together to form the the, the uh, one potential and maybe even likely outcome here is that. OpenTF does have to become a fork, is a fork for some number of months, and Hashi realizes, like, actually, um, we want to participate. So how can we? And then, you know, the terms would be very different. It's like, well, this is going to be in a foundation and so on. Um, this is not dissimilar. This happened at, uh, at Joyent, where I was the, the Joyent. Um, the, we were the, the stewards of Node.js, and the community was really fracturing over a bunch of issues, and there was a fork. That started there, I, as I told them. It's like, you actually didn't need to fork it to get our attention. Um, but we, um, you know, I think it for me, it was eye-opening in terms of, of um, how difficult it was going to be for any single company to keep that, to keep what was a pretty fractured community together. Um, and the foundation was going to be the right route for um, for Node. Um, the so I I think that the foundation route ultimately I mean I'd love to get your your all take on this but it feels like the foundation route has to be the route for this software um, and I and you know one of the things that I would revisit from my my talk ten years ago is I was I was kind of jaundiced about foundations and that was before a lot of this um, the, the, frankly abuse of trust and I now I kind of feel like actually foundations are when you when you've got a broad-based community you really it really needs to be in a foundation do you want to maybe in terms of like a segue to open TF so uh, how how quickly after this did you I mean this it sounds like it took everybody by surprise everyone was kind of on the back foot uh, how quick how did you start reaching out to one another how did you find one another um, how did the, the open TF effort start? Yeah, I, I can comment on that. Uh, in my opinion, that was actually one of the most magical things that happened from this. Uh, so we've had a number of companies that were either competitors or like they kind of used our stuff and we sort of competed. Uh, and, and, and these are people I've maybe spoken to once or never met, but you, know, you see online when they post something. All of a sudden, within a day of that uh, announcement taking place, so literally by that Friday, we had a Slack community 
among all these so-called competitors where we were all sort of united uh, by a common cause. The word that kept coming to my mind was like fellowship. We were like a fellowship of, uh, of companies who all uh, were um, looking to a, a need for an open source Terraform that we could continue to innovate and, and build our companies on. Um, and then from there, uh, the idea that we would need to fork but maybe present Hashi with the opportunity to first revoke. Uh, like all of these discussions were happening. We had our, like, our own little de facto governance mechanism, like little slack pulls. Um, it, we, and we were all commenting on how much fun it was to like <laughs> be collaborating with all these competitors. So, and, and to this day, like, uh, I mean, to this day, <laughs> it was like a week ago. To this day, like, <laughs> it, I don't know, it, it remains one of my most positive like business memories because it's just so fun to go from this kind of like distant competitive mindset to collaborating with a group of people all united in a common cause. And what I was surprised to learn was how many more resources and willingness we all had uh, to contribute to Terraform yeah. Open Source than what was actually currently being contributed to Terraform Open Source. Uh, it, 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 sorry, I, I know I'm at risk of rambling, but just to add this one point, um, I've had a bunch of customer conversations in the last week and a common refrain that I've heard from customers is, um, yeah, but how could your consortium possibly uh, have the resources to maintain the giant that is Terraform? And <laughs> I, I'm always like chuckling at that because, you know, I get it. Like the nice branding, the, the, the publicly traded company image, um, the regular blog posts, the regular releases, it looks like there's dozens or hundreds of people working on this tool. And when we did the internal estimation, um, we, we estimated that it was like a, a small fraction uh, at HashiCorp, the, the total number of people actually working on Terraform open source uh, as the number of people we would be able to marshal as a consortium. So that's, I think, given us all a lot of pause as we think about you know, what the path forward might look like. You know, well, you, and, because and, you say that, you yeah. know, I think back to now like 13 years ago, Brian, when we were kicking off yeah. the Illumos project, um, there, there was never any thought of like presenting a demand letter to Oracle because we <laughs> knew what the answer was going to be there. Um, but yeah, but like it felt sort of in some ways daunting. And this is when, you know, Brian, you were at Join and I was at Delphix and Garrett was, I think, at Nixenta. And uh, there was something very inspiring I, that what you're describing, Josh, of that moment of, uh, you know, kind of becoming this fellowship or collaborating across company borders to, get this thing done to like erect this monolith was, it was kind of inspiring. It definitely was. And it was, I mean, it was clarifying obviously. <laughs> um, but it's like, yeah, we're on our own. Like we don't have to, like all of these. It, it honestly felt like a weight had been lifted where we had been. And, you know, with, with Oracle was on such a, a speed run of open source <laughs> malfeasance and it's all happening very, very quickly. The, but the, the, you know, we were very concerned about how do we accommodate Oracle with now so many Sun folks leaving and we were all part of this big exodus. 
And uh, one of the things that we, there were lots of things that we did not like about the way that it was being prosecuted internally when it was open. And, you know, people are like, well, you know, you can't have your own operating system. It's like, no, actually we can. It's like, actually, sorry. It's like, well, who writes the device drivers? It's like, yeah, we write the device drivers. Like, we're not write that, as it turns out. Like, we actually know how to create Yeah, code. it turns out like that, um, I mean, for, to put some more wind in your sails, turns out 13 years later, like that experiment is going fine for us. Like, we have not... Died on some mountain of complexity that only a team of ten thousand engineers could take on. So if if it's any consolation to your to your customers as they ask reasonable questions, saying how are you going to maintain this thing? It's like actually quite well. And I would say that there was so much friction that we had for so long about who, what's important, who does what. And Sun, back when it was you know, pre-Oracle, Sun had this outsized influence that was kind of uncontrollable. Like ultimately, it wasn't a real community because Sun dominated it too much. And it only became a community when it was kind of forced to become one, really, a true community. Um, and so Josh, totally get what you're, the, 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 the vibes of like really kind of coming together and the, the, the clarify. And I, so one thing I, I would love you all to speak with too, because it's something that I loved in the, the so that you put out the open TF manifesto, um, the, uh, it was, I, uh, it obviously came together. It was to come together pretty quickly. It sounds like. Um, the, uh, certainly by the time, uh, and, and one of you, one of your number had actually pinged me. I was really honored, honestly, to be pinged being like, Hey, would you mind signing this thing? I'm, and I'm, uh, I mean, for us, we've got a Terraform provider. So Terraform definitely plays a role for us, but we're n nowhere near, um, at, as, um, kind of at the epicenter as you all are. Uh, and honestly, was honored to, to, that, that you know we'd love to be able to, to help out any way we can because I really loved all the energy. And in particular, what I loved, and Josh, maybe you can walk me through kind of when this started happening. As people are signing it, they're also talking about resources that they can actually dedicate to it. And it's like significant. People are talking about you know, dedicating two and three folks this effort. Um, that kind of evolve? How did that start? Yeah, you know, initially there was this realization that we all had that a Busel, uh, and a Busel, <laughs> I'm going to have to hear on that. Uh, yeah. on now on. Anyway, a, a Busel licensed a Terraform was just not a world any of us wanted to live in. Like, and, and it wasn't just about commercially, like, is this something that we could make commercially viable? Uh, it, it's actually really important to share this. Uh, a lot of people have said, well, um, hey, I'm not a competitor to HashCorp, but this doesn't matter to me. Uh, why should I care? From the perspective of someone who is considered, uh, I suppose, a competitor to HashCorp, we realized that, okay, so in order to actually participate in this Busel licensed ecosystem, uh, the, the license is so vague, almost by design, that we can't really operate in compliance with it unless we get HashCorp's explicit permission. So now, in order to operate our business, Presumably on an annual basis, we have to approach them on bended knee and ask for permission to continue operating as a business and pray that they don't raise licensing prices on us too much. And I, I absolutely. By the way, just to, to just to to kind of underscore that point, it is so vague that we are not embedding um, any uh, um, any hashy products in the oxide rack. But if we were, 
we oxide would feel that it it is far too vague because in particular uh that we we don't know who's going to acquire hashicorp and take it from adam and me <laughs> the acquirer can really and you know it could easily be an oracle acquisition it could be a broadcom acquisition it could be a dell acquisition and those are all companies that that could easily say that they compete with Oxide. And I mean, so it's like, Adam, I don't know what you're taking, but I can, like, this is like too vague for us, oh, let alone are you, are you kidding me? Not, not only that, but imagine a diligent customer of ours would say, hey, do you have anything oh, fishy inside that box? Like, well, we do have this Busel thing. It's like, well, we don't know what that is. We can't accept this product. Like, don't oh, bring man. this into our environment. Like, for all I know that, you know, HashiCorp is going to show up and demand their extortion money from, from our customers. So it's, it creates too much, way too much risk. Way too much risk. I'm actually glad you brought up that point because that's something that's kind of gets kind of lost on folks is that having gone through an acquisition um, from someone who's doing a lot of due diligence with Samsung on Joyent, and they are, I mean, this is, I can't remember what I'm trying to say or not, Adam. So like, we need to do a license audit on all of the node modules we're using. <laughs> I'm like, well, this is going to be interesting. And I'm like, and it was actually, it's a huge credit to the node ecosystem that we, I mean, it was like, it was tens of thousands of modules. Um, it was actually great because we overwhelmed the uh, the firm that does open source due diligence is like we cannot do due diligence. <laughs> We've never seen this much open source. Like we, I, I love the idea of being like, well, we're out of compliance because we have to send this guy a cup of coffee. I don't know, is in the license, but otherwise we can't left pad or whatever. <laughs> you know, like it's gonna it, it, it will take us uh, six years and thirty five million dollars <laughs> to do the due diligence through all this open source software, and so they they go like, all right, we're just gonna do a license on it. We're just like, we're gonna stop, and they we did a license on it, and amazingly, we had no. I'm like, oh my god, we're gonna find an HGPL stowaway that's gonna kill this thing. <laughs> um, but there was there was nothing. It was all MIT and BSD. Um, and there was not even any GPL or LGPL. It was really clean. Um, and uh, some Apache was basically all clean. But man, you hit something like that in an audit from a big potential customer or an acquirer where they are thinking like, look, maybe you can make this decision, but this does not fit my risk appetite as someone with much deeper pockets. Um, and you, you just like this is part of the reason that, uh, that all of you can't, Adopt this. This is like no. This is crazily risky. So, yeah. So, so funny little side story. We we actually just finished our first priced round a few days before this announcement, and we did a full license audit that probably would have tanked our round if this would have happened. Uh, we haven't even, <laughs> we haven't even announced the round because we got so caught up in this uh, this initiative. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean. God. Thank God. I, I think I, you got it done. Congratulations. Like yeah, on, on that. Obviously. On the on the yeah. raise. And um. Yeah. Glad you. Glad you sold the house before the flood. That's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, on, that was, I'm sensitive on that one. I got. I got hit by this tropical storm and it took my roof. <laughs> oh man. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. No, it's cool. It's it's a, it's a small patch. It's it'll be it'll be fine. <laughs> That's quite a quite but a. In, in reading all of the. <laughs> Hacker news and Reddit comments on this. I think um, so. There's a lot of comments saying I'm just a regular Terraform user. Why should I care? And I think to what, to what you said, Brian, like there's just this endless list of small places where this could trip you up, and they're hard to predict. And it's 
it does impact you a lot as a regular user. And it's hard to know what will happen in the future, like maybe another license change. The the FAQ is apparently binding, but it gets changed every day. So who knows what's going to go in there? Yeah, it, totally. I mean, it, and I also think that for those folks who are asking that question, like, well, I don't give you the hash. Like, that doesn't really affect me. It's like it definitely does affect you because the the, the folks that are gonna that are gonna contribute to the community and its vitality, it affects them, and that vitality very much affects you. I mean, you are th th that is to say, someone who feels that they're more removed from this. It's like unless you're like a really active contributor. Uh, it is going to affect you. And now uh, the good news is like you're probably not going to like when the world moves to OpenTF, you're like, all right, fine, well, we're doing this now. Um, it, it's just not going to feel as disruptive because that's where the community is going to go. Yeah. It, you, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, go, Josh. I was going to say um, there was a lot of debate about what the vision for the fork should be. And the two primary paradigms that we were choosing from uh, were number one, we're essentially just a legal clone of what the kind of Hashi TF fork is doing. Well, I guess they're not a fork. So maybe I'll just call it Hashi TF. Um, and, and the model there would have been like, we, we just look at what they release. We make sure not to ever look at the source code. And then we just implement it ourselves. Um, but then we realized that, you know, we can actually innovate. Um, like one of the yes. things that um, HashCorp uh, kind of locked down was the only real interface to the Terraform libraries is the CLI interface itself. But they don't expose the libraries in a way that would make them easily usable by tools that were embedding them because you know, that didn't really make sense for their commercial interests, presumably. So with OpenTF, we realized like, wow, if we expose, for example, Terraform apply functionality as a library call, then people can do all kinds of cool things with it. And um, it really expands the notion of what Terraform could be and how you could use it and becomes a lot more interesting and exciting. I think absolutely. And I would counsel Adam, I know you'd counsel the same way that like you should not be, you should be looking to your own use cases, your own customers for your own community for what you do, not to, not to Hashi. Yeah. Um, and um, I mean, we know we felt this way. We got, I mean, D-Trace too, but especially ZFS, Adam, got a real burst of innovation when in, in particular, the, because all of the, 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 um, the, the featuring, the, mm. the feature identification. Adam, exactly, um, exactly right. It was really interesting, actually. I was thinking about that example because uh, ZFS prior to, uh, you know, in open Solaris even, but prior to Alumos, envisioned a straight line of features. It was just version one, two, three, four, five, and each version carried new features with it. And in this kind of diaspora, then we had different versions of ZFS and that open ZFS that had different features enabled. And before we had seen that, you know, even from inside uh, working on OpenSlayers, we had seen that as sort of a bug. And then in a community, it was really a feature to enable yeah. Lots of people to go their own ways and do their own experiments and enable their own products and customers without necessarily requiring everyone to move in lockstep on every decision. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it was a huge one. I feel like we had a bunch of those. And it was also helpful, honestly, and I'm, I, I imagine that there will be people like this from Hachi. Um, I mean, I, I can say that, that, I mean, I don't think I'm divulging any great confidence when I say there are lots of people in Hachi who are pretty uh, disillusioned with their employer. Um, and I've heard from a lot of folks, um, gotten a lot of DMs from folks who are, uh, and by the way, the advice, I, if you are at Hashi, um, my advice to you would be 
Um, this is going to be a, a, this is really going to be very divisive. And um, you, you, I mean, Adam, you and I lost relationships permanently um, uh, over this issue, over the, 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 the acute disagreement of what the future of the software should be. And, you know, there's, um, there are going to be like this, these disagreements are going to be pretty sharp, unfortunately. And there's, there's not an easy thing to say about it. And this is, it's really, really divisive. Um, and I, I wish that there were, um, I, you know, I'd try to find a, uh, it's always important that either be whatever entity you're working with, be it a community or a company, you want to find one that reflects your values. Um, and I, I think that there are lots of people at Hashi who are really wondering, um, you know, th what happened to this place? <laughs> is this the pl still yeah. the place that reflects my values? Well, but I think that, I think that Josh, sorry, you know, a, a long way of saying, I, 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 I think it's almost a lock that you will have some number of people who love Terraform, and that's what brought them to Hashi, who leave Hashi and and contribute to an OpenTF um, with their visions too. And it's like that's it; those are people you want to have in the community, bringing a lot of expertise. Yeah, you know, one of the interesting things that we were thinking about on the OpenTF side was about the philosophical decision uh, that HashiCorp made and. Interestingly, uh, the company I represent, Frontwork, uh, we had a, a sort of parallel philosophical decision. So uh, essentially, you know, the main concern that Hashi had is, from their perspective, they were saying, hey, we're pouring all these resources into Terraform, and other people are profiting from it. That's not fair. And, and so the, the philosophy comes in, uh, into how you choose to respond to that. Uh, personally, the philosophy that I endorse is... Uh, if you're the creator of an open source project or you're, you're kind of sitting at the epicenter of it, that's a unique competitive advantage. And, it, and it's incumbent on you uh, as the, the creator of the open source tool or, or the sitting at the epicenter um, to figure out how to leverage that to make a better product. And, and that's how you make it work. Um, I think Hashi took the other tech, which was basically to say, okay, we don't like what's happening here. Um, we, we don't necessarily have confidence that we can compete um, with the, the products that we've got. And so we're going to just disable competitors from competing in this ecosystem. Um, what's interesting add-on to that is uh, Gruntwork has an open source tool called TerraGrunt, which is a, a thin wrapper around Terraform that is MIT licensed with, by the way, no plans to change that. Um, but what's interesting is there are uh, companies out there that uh, leverage Gruntwork uh, or leverage TerraGrunt uh, in the OpenTF consortium, and uh, they make a bunch of money from it. And we don't see any money from that. And uh, but we spend money to create TerraGrunt, and we think that's okay because we also get some benefits from creating TerraGrunt, and we think we have some unique advantages by being the maintainers. And if we ever want to do more there, then we can try to leverage those benefits and exercise our business muscle and, and offer a valuable product to customers. So, yeah, I, uh, I, yeah. I, oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> sorry, maybe yeah, no, definitely. Um, I was just going to say that I actually, um, you know, we went through all of this when the open sourcing of the operating system was being contemplated at Sun. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, this is really the, the beauty of software because the way I would flip it around is. So you've got someone out there who's using Terragrunt and is selling services on it or what have you. 
um, there it didn't cost you anything to engage them, right? That, that that's a that those entities have kind of identified themselves like, hey, like we actually we share values, we share interests, we want to we we're kind of partnering with you. And you know, to I think it it is uh, it it, it is um, reductive to say like, well, they're they're taking our work and profiting on it. It's like, well, you know, actually, there there are they are incorporating your work into something else that they're selling, but that is also it didn't you didn't have to have a, you know someone a business development relationship kind of build that. And on the one hand, it's not transactional one way, but it's not transactional the other way either. You didn't have to pay for ads. You didn't have to like you, this kind of this other entity is kind of self identified. And boy, there's a lot of opportunity now to go. Uh, figure out what you can go build together, and if there's nothing to build together, it's like, well, it didn't cost you anything anyway. And I think that the the, the big fallacy that I always saw inside the corporate walls is people like the choice that I actually have is that uh, that th this entity uh, pays me for Terraform, or this entity uh, does not pay me for Terraform. And it's like, well, that's actually not the the, the choice you've got. The choice you've got is that because that entity probably has already, for Adam, all the reasons that you adopt the Terraform, it's probably already decided they're going to adopt open source infrastructure. So it's really your open source infrastructure or someone else's open source infrastructure. And which of those do you want? Because that's actually the choice you're making. And if you, at least if they adopt your open source infrastructure, there's an opportunity to go do something later together. Uh, if they adopt someone else's, it's like, yeah, you're just out of the conversation. And I feel like that's the the fallacy that that Hashi is is falling prey to, in part because I, I do feel that like for a generation that simply came up post open source, they don't understand. I mean, I, I God, I want to be the, the, like a reread. I, I don't matter if you read it today, but uh, but Bill Gates's uh, an open letter to hobbyists, nineteen seventy six looks like it was peeled right from Hashi's fact or vice versa. Like, I don't think that they realize the degree to which you sound like a sniveling Bill Gates in 1976 talking about people pirating their basic. And, you know, I, I, I think that there's, this is part of the reason why I think the, the, the reverence for history is so important in the industry because it's like, you've got to, it, it, like, you're, you're not the, the first entity that has kind of struggled with this, but the, the conclusion you're drawing is not the right conclusion to draw. And now that we, Adam, at what point are we going to talk about the video? <laughs> yeah, we got to talk about that video. Oh, it was a question for, for Josh and, and Malcolm and Corey. Did you all watch the video? This is a video of Hashi, I guess, yeah, uh, I guess being interviewed by a developer advocate there. Oh, I couldn't yeah. make it all the way through. Yeah, okay, I, okay. I made it about a quarter of the way through, and I just I lulled myself into closing uh, the tab. <laughs> okay, Josh. Yeah, it, it was. You know, the problem was it was like a faux conversation. Uh, <laughs> well, like teed up questions. <laughs> we are here to report something shocking and delightful and open for debate. I feel that's right. The, so, so uh, Bri yeah, Brian, you watched it. You sent it over to me. And I was watching it, and, and I had the same reaction as the other folks. I actually paused it, got up, and took a walk, and then got my notebook because I, I I wanted to write down some of the particularly odious things. But then I noticed something, which is that the developer advocate, and I'm not going to name her, um, had this wild background, <laughs> and and I and I DM'd it over to Brian, 
And Brian, what was your reaction when I sent okay, you this so picture? I, like, hand on heart. Hand on heart, my reaction was Adam has had Dolly generate an image of uh, of formerly open source company announcing license change. And he has he has photoshopped the in this abstract image. And I was just like, damn, he did that quickly. And I was just like, <laughs> and then a part of my brain was like, no, no, wait a minute. He recognized that from the video we watched moments ago. And indeed, it's so Adam has dropped this into the chat. But like you've you've got this kind of like uh, okay, so someone is saying like this is a psyop. Okay, so Adam, why don't you talk about your hypothesis? Yes, yeah, so I think that this dev advocate is is staging a quiet rebellion here. So the the picture to describe it is a like sort of blobby, faceless, mysterious, sort of human-ish looking thing. It's like the offspring a- of Grimace and Jabba, the <laughs> like the Loch Ness monster or something. Yes. <laughs> holding a goldfish and squeezing out gold coins. The goldfish is vomiting gold. (laughs) Literally vomiting gold. And and so, I I mean... I just love... love Does this person... Tell me. I love that there are people right now that were like washing their dishes or walking the dog or driving who just like, what the hell? Who just pulled over or stopped doing the dishes or stopped walking the dog and are now on their phone being like, I got to see this. Like this, it surely cannot be what they're describing. It's like, and so no, this is over the right shoulder of the dev advocate who's, who's uh, ostensibly interviewing Armin, the CEO and co-founder. And I don't know, like either she sits there and this has been over her right shoulder for years and years, like the last scene in The Usual Suspects or something. Or, like or the this Spanish is, prisoner. It's like totally. this. Or, or this is <laughs> some David David quiet, film. brilliant act of rebellion. She's like, okay, I'll interview you, I guess. Let me just ha- change my Zoom background real quick before we do that. Because if you, as you're saying, Brian, it, it, it's one step removed to having this blobby entity slicing open a goose and plucking out the golden eggs. And that would be just only slightly more on the nose. I, I feel it legit would have been subtler if they had some <laughs> Dickensian era miser wearing a top hat, holding an orphan by its ankle, shaking him loose of any bread in his pockets. I feel that would be subtler than this. Oh, man. Uh, it's just... um. So yeah, I, I'm sorry to distract us on this. Adam and I just knew that like we got to get this out. Oh, we got to we got. So you, yeah. had, you all had you all seen this first of all? <laughs> I did not I mean, notice this upon looking. Yeah. Right, you're too too <laughs> understandably like I, I I I mean we could Adam and I could barely get through the video and we are nowhere near in the crosshairs of this thing um, as as you all are. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely. Uh, it's definitely something else, and it's de- it's I mean a little too on the nose. That's right. <laughs> and, and 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 to folks at Hashi, listen to this: resistance is alive and thriving. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> the sign we will give the sign of grimace to know that we, <laughs> we, that we are one with the resistance inside of HashiCorp. Um, everyone has like a goldfish tank on their desk. <laughs> on yeah, totally, exactly. Brilliant. I mean, I, um, I get the coin and I get the I get the gold coins, but I really do not know what the purple thing is. Like, what is the purple thing? 
Oh, we know what the purple thing is. The purple thing is an <laughs> announcement to our community. That's right. The capital. That's the fact. That is the fact. You can see point twenty six on there. <laughs> oh man. So when you all announce this, I mean, the uh, I mean, I, 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 certainly, and I, it's, it sounds like there's a lot of kind of positive energy around the formation of this. Um, but I, you definitely saw that it feels like you saw that positive energy continue as you announce it. It seems like a lot of a lot of grassroots enthusiasm for the for the effort here. Uh, is that a fair summary? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, like I said earlier, the, the the vendors themselves were really excited about working with each other. And then there are all these people that reached out to us to express support. Um, there were some high profile folks who reached out and privately expressed their support as well. And um, we had members of the Terraform core contributor team from uh, times past express their support. Um, yeah, I mean, it, the, it was kind of neat to see um, that manifesto get more and more names, companies, projects and individuals and endorsing it and you know in, in the beginning i think we published it with like uh what do you guys what do you guys think like seven names seven companies maybe yeah that yeah, was just so. a handful yeah, it was about seven and the first the first sign like signature came in and i was like oh somebody else cares <laughs> yes exactly it was, it was just like the wall of pr started coming in and it was like yes yeah and exactly. and like a, a tip if this happens to anyone else do not do it like we did, where people pledge by making an HTML PR. <laughs> oh, because oh, the merge conflicts. Okay, talking with the other elephant in the room. Like, I listen, I want to tell you the way to manifesto, but like literally every PR is a merge conflict. It was yeah. brutal. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was my personal contribution uh, to this uh, project, is I took a, an hour of my life and I <laughs> handled those merge conflicts. Um, and somebody's got some silly indentation, so I've had to turn off my uh, my save on format or format on save. But I can just imagine, like you, the you know, before you guys went live, being like, "All right, look, I mean, if we have hundreds of PRs, I mean, you know, hurt me with that problem." It's like, well, here we are, we're being hurt with that problem now. It's a good, it's it's a great problem to have in terms of. Um, having so much interest that you've got merge conflicts. I was, I was definitely like, man, I'm, I'm having a hard time landing this thing because I'm having a hard time rebase, like having to rebase <laughs> six different times to actually like touch down here. Um, but think, that's think a, how many, here. think how many signatures we'd have if it didn't require a rebase. Like, <laughs> <Totally. we'd... laughs> but and I also, I have to say, I one of the things that that you were, um, you know, I, I you kind of see as sort of thinking like, okay, how do we kind of structure this or whatever. Uh, structure the list. One of the things that I was kind of uh, privately hoping you would do, and it looks like you did do, I'm like, you've got folks that are really committing resources to this. And I really love the fact that that those folks were kind of at the top. Like we've got a, there's a bunch of signatories to this, a bunch of people that agree with it. But um, I, I, it was really heartwarming to see the folks that were really being willing to, to, to make commitments. And I'm sure they were seeing the commitments that others were making. Um, and, you know, it was, uh, great to see, and 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 any, I mean, I any reaction from any official reaction from Hashi. Um, I'm gonna assume the answer is no. You know what? Feel free to not answer that question. Uh, <laughs> well, um, we have not, so just to be clear, we actually tweeted from the OpenTF Twitter account um, that we're officially waiting until this Friday, August twenty fifth, for a response. Because yeah. remember, in the manifesto, we said, look. We, we think that no fork is better for everyone. 
if, if that's possible. Now, there's some legitimate questions you raised earlier about to what extent would we all trust um, such a reversion to an open source license. But, you know, there's, there's some overhead to a fork as well. It creates confusion. Um, oh, it definitely creates confusion. And to be clear, I think that there, I, I definitely think that there shouldn't be a fork. I just think that, that the foundation needs to be in the driver's seat. I think that OpenTF needs to be the ones, and if Hashi wants to come back, they should come back, but they should come back to participate in the new project. And the new yeah. project is, is the OpenTF project. Um, and, exactly. So we're waiting for them officially to reply by, um, by August 25th, this Friday. Um, but then they just published this sort of clarification of their, uh, FAQ earlier today. So I've personally interpreted that as a sort of implicit rejection. And I guess yeah. we'll see if they respond at all. But yeah, if, if we don't get an official response by um, this 25th, um, this Friday, then we plan to proceed with the fork. Uh, in fact, we've got several engineers in the consortium already working uh, on a private version of that and getting it ready. And there's a ton of energy. Uh, CI jobs are running. Terraform names are removed to make sure we're compliant with all the trademark requirements. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. I think if if we were to have to revert, there'd be a lot of sadness. Like it's it's going to yeah, be a interesting. Pretty cool project, yeah. actually. <laughs> well, and I think that I don't think you again. I think that the, the the end state here is not a reversion. It's it's Hashi coming to the community as a community member. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I think that, you know, part of the other reason I think that this is important is because I do think that Hudson has drifted too far away in the collective memory. I mean, to the point where it doesn't even make like, Hey, folks that are making a list of Oracle's top 10 open source transgressions, this definitely, Hudson belongs on that list. Like I know like there's a, there are a lot of things kind of vying for the, maybe, you know, a, a top 20 list, but, um, you know, people have kind of forgotten about it. Um, and I, I do feel that that companies that have benefited from open source have benefited from that social contract. And indeed, the, the whole reason that your technology was ever adopted by anybody was because it was open source. Those companies need to not take their communities for granted. And um, it's important that the, that the community uh, speak with its voice and as a check, because you you know what you want is that you know the, the, the kind of the, the the future company that is contemplating this. Um, it, it would be helpful to have an object lesson being like, boy, yeah, but you know, we, could we create another, another, could we end up losing everything in the process of doing this? Um, and you know, this should really, right now, this is kind of thought of as being zero risk, um, these relicensing changes. And they are, um, they're really divisive. They're very disruptive for the community. And we, we really need to, this needs to be thought of more like litigation. Like you go into litigation, like you can, you're going to war, you can lose a lot, um, even if you're, uh, if you're a plaintiff. Um, and I, th th that's what you're doing. When you're relicensing, you are spinning the roulette wheel with your company on the board and it, it it's in your community um, and you could lose it all. Um, and uh, because, because the open source itself, like the community is not going to be vanquished. The community you on Josh sounds like this is kind of the realization you all had is like, wait a minute, we're we may be competitors, but we're or, or kind of competing in this broader infrastructure as code ecosystem. But we got a lot of shared values here, and we can we can bond together uh, to reflect those shared values in a shared project. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things we actually did um, in the first couple of days of OpenTF was we started thinking um, with the product manager's mindset and working backward from 
the outcome that our customers would want. Our customers being people who choose technology um, to deploy their infrastructure. And uh, we were thinking, okay, such a person would want legal clarity. They'd want to know the tool's popular, the project is active, there's a clear vision, high investment in the project. It's publicly endorsed by um, names that they recognize or foundations they recognize. There's commercial support available. There's a broad ecosystem available. It's compatible with their favorite tools uh, and it has features that they want. And um, yeah, ultimately uh, we feel like in addition to the legal clarity that OpenTF can offer um, a lot better than the Busel HashCorp, uh, Terraform, um, we actually think the project can compete on its own merits, uh, even separate from that, uh, pretty effectively too. Yeah, that's terrific. Um, there's a question in the chat about, um, and I, and maybe too a little too early to think about the the specific foundation of this. I don't know, maybe you already have. Um, whether you do OpenTF as its own foundation that would kind of pull in other infrastructure software, or if you if you given kind of thoughts to that, or are you deferring all of that until after Friday? Oh no, it it's just focused on Terraform. Uh, like like all enterprises, uh, focus is hard, but it it yields the best results. So this is a pure Terraform effort. It is unrelated to Vault or Console or anything else. Uh, we're just focused on making um, the best possible uh, version of OpenTF that, that we can make. That's great. And would you do that as its own 501c6? Or how would you, um, um, why am I uttering rumpus? <laughs> The uh, I, 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 if you have like, opinions I, about I, the I, Linux I, Foundation, I, do you want to share about the I, Linux Foundation? I, I, Anything? I, I, you know, I just feel like I'm about to talk to my teenagers about a bad decision they're going to come. Like, look, you're going to be at a party where there's a lot of Linux Foundation going on, and you know, I just want you to know who you are. Um, That's right. Just be safe. Be safe, and if you need me to come pick you up, I will. <laughs> um, <laughs> Have you given thought to the, the kind of specific foundation vehicle, Josh? Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, we wanted, we, we recognize that we need a governance structure of some kind because there's going to be multiple different companies all contributing resources. And there has to be some mechanism for how we set the roadmap, um, how we are reviewing PRs, how we respond to GitHub issues, and, you know, and things like that. So, uh, we want to move ideally to the um, CNCF. Uh, that's something that we've been looking into. Um, and some of our members have uh, had some discussions there. And, um, but most of, but really most of all, we just want a sort of governance structure that where we're not innovating on that. Like let's find whatever the best open source governance structure is that can accommodate lots of different companies. And let's just adopt that. So that that's the real need. The, yeah. the foundation is sort of the solution to that need. Well, and and truthfully, I mean, being in the LF, the CNCF does. I mean, that does solve a bunch of problems for you. So um, I think that that may. Um, like now, I'm pouring the kids a drink here, Adam. Um, <laughs> yeah, just drink here with us, where it's safe. <laughs> exactly. For the record, not one of those houses. Um, the, um, but I, I mean, I, I think you're wise to kind of have stay focused on on what you're trying to the problems you're trying to solve and the problems you're not trying to solve. You don't want to reinvent, obviously. Um, 
uh, yeah, one, hopefully those, those, those talks are fruitful because I think you do have, I mean, this is software that is at the foundation of a lot of stuff and it's actually, it's really important and it's important that it stays open. And, you know, I loved the, the, the kind of the tenor you struck in your manifesto about like, we are trying to assure an open source Terraform. That is the objective of OpenTF. Um, yeah. And, you know, useful ain't that. Um, yep. So it, it just to dovetail that just to, especially for naive users, for folks who aren't familiar with any of this stuff to make the path unencumbered in a way where you know, new folks um, could easily walk themselves into a situation they don't mean to. So I think the, the work that you're doing here is so important to create or to actually take, take that torch that Hashi carried for so many years and and built up with Terraform and these other projects and uh, lives up to that commitment or, or that you're able to carry forward that commitment for new users, existing users, and for this really big and thriving community. Like we're building Terraform providers, uh, you know, for the Oxide Rack. We wanna make those open TF providers and we're gonna guide our users there because it's gonna be the right place to use it. Yeah. As hectic as this, um, as hectic, as hectic as this last 11 days has been, I do think in some sense, like the, the, so the silver lining is I do think, you know, OpenTF or Terraform, you want to call it, is going to come out a much stronger, better product. For sure. Um, and like, so it, go, if you go the foundation route, you don't have a single vendor in control of all the, the features that go into it um, because there's, you know, a lot of people competing that would be part of this foundation. You don't, um, you get a lot of innovation and but everyone benefits from it. And so I, I really think we we all win uh, despite not being able to sleep a lot from that weekend. <laughs> uh, we're all gonna win in the end, I think. Totally agree, Malcolm. And just for whatever it's worth, I absolutely think it needs to be in a foundation. I think the question is, you know, is it, an, it just mechanically, is it an existing foundation? Do you use the LF? Um, I think that, which sounds like, a, a, do you use an, another 501c6? Do, the, the C3 route is a much harder route. I, I would definitely recommend a C6 route. Um, so no, I think you're doing exactly the right thing by going to foundation. Um, the uh, to preserve trademark and so on. Um, what, uh, one uh, question that that, that that did come up in the chat is like, all right, well, so how do you recommend? Like, so when someone does use your software and they are using it to as part of an offering that is commercial, like, how are you supposed to deal with that? And Adam, you and I had this happen because the software that we developed is used by the one of the most profitable companies on earth um, in terms of Apple. And, um, you know, you have to have the kind of self-awareness to realize that like your software is not the only thing that, they, that there's a product and a service that that company is developing of which your software plays a role. And it's kind of natural for me to say, well, no, my software is the only thing that's like, like well, it's maybe, maybe not, probably not. It's probably more nuanced than that. And certainly in Apple's case, it's like, no, Apple's delivering a product to their customers. They're very, they're very innovation oriented. And, uh, you know, the fact that they chose to integrate our technology, I think we viewed as exciting and uplifting. I don't think we, um, again, because it's like the opportunity was not Apple, you know, A's son or whomever, a licensing fee for this. It's like that was never going to be on the table. It's like they use it or they don't. And I'd much rather they use it than not. Um, I do feel that like those open source companies, I think that, you know, you, and I know they got a bunch here. Um, you really want to focus on the, 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 the 
goods and services that you, that you make and serving your customers. Josh, I loved hearing that you've been talking to your own customers about it because ultimately, like that's who's important for all of us. It's like the people who are gonna gonna pay you for your product or service. Those are the ones who you ultimately we all ultimately are all serving. Um, and that that's part of what feels like is the, the entity that's not being well served by Hashi's decision are, are their own customers. Yeah, it, exactly. You know, every company creates value and captures a small portion of that value. And in order for the company to be successful, you have to have a well-defined business model of how you're going to capture value. And so there's nothing wrong with that. Like uh, those business models that make companies successful allow them to create really great tools. I think the confusion comes in when companies mistake what the role of open source is in their business model. Yeah. Um, is it lead generation? Like, okay, great. It's great lead generation. Or is it um, a free tier of your product? Uh, or is it something else? And, and so I, I think that's one of the things that was so shocking about the HashiCorp element is I always saw it as, as lead generation for them. Like Terraform is the, the gateway drug, and then you could try some of their commercial offerings, but there are alternatives too. And, and they, they've kind of turned it off to the point where like, it is the product. You know, it, it, it's just the thing you purchase directly. So with OpenTF, um, we're, we're kind of stepping outside of that paradigm. We're saying, look, all these different companies need this thing to exist. So we think it can support a prosperous ecosystem. And each of the companies, well, we'll figure out our own business model. But the, the core thing that you're using, OpenTF, you know, that's going to be thriving independently into itself, which will hopefully inspire confidence when, when users use it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Amen. And Josh, to which I would add, in terms of the other kind of importance of open source, it's also an opportunity for a conversation with someone who with whom you share values. It's opportunity for potentially folks that 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 want to work for you. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity with open source, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of energy that you get to harness. I know when when uh, Dave McJanet was announced the new CEO of HashiCorp was out, I was at HashiConf. I think it was in 2016. And uh, Adam, was with, yeah, I met Scott Hammond, I think. Did you meet Scott? Yeah, yeah. Actually met, sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so Scott, I was with Scott, who was the CEO of Joy at the time. And, you know, there's so much energy at HashiConf. And the new CEO is there, but, like, nowhere to be found. Like, not on stage. And Scott is just like, oh, my God, this is CEO malpractice. Like, let me be the CEO of Hashi. I'm like, hey, you already got a job, pal. Like, like hey, ch ch check your check your ring finger, pal. Like, you're not the CEO. But he's like, God, I want to be the CEO because I would be having all these conversations with people that are using this technology. There's so many conversations to be had. And his instinct is not, oh, I want to go sell to all these people. It's, I want to learn what they're doing. I want to understand what they're doing. I want to understand how the technology that we have developed is being used by you. And there's a lot that can come from those conversations. And, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there. It's just, you're, Josh, just to your point, like, it, you're just going to have to get creative um, and in a really exciting and uplifting way. Yeah. Oh, been, yeah. Um, this has been great. I, this has been a, uh, I, we're again, um, I was super flattered. We are flattered at Oxide that, that we, that, uh, you all looked to us to, to contribute our name to it. Um, we were, um, honored to do so. Um, and, um, really excited to be a part 
of wherever you take OpenTF, um, you know that you've got, you got a kindred spirit and a supporter here at Oxide, um, and we want to help you all out um, any way you can. It's just energizing to see, see this community come together. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, you know, honestly, uh, a lot of us are fans of, of Oxide and um, you know, some of your, uh, your, your founders, including yourself, Brian, and, uh, and Jesse. Um, so yeah, we, we were really honored when, when you guys joined. So it means a lot to us as well. Well, that was awesome. And Malcolm, I love when we were talking about the podcast. You're like, don't, like, I, I'm a fan of the podcast. Like, I'm going to, I mean, you know, it was, that was, uh, yeah, you're like, check out the back catalog. And I was like, it, it, like, again? Exactly. Well, that was, I mean, honestly, that's so great. And we're just um, excited that we could have this conversation today. And, Really looking forward to, to what's next for you all and and OpenTF um, and Corey. Good luck with your roof. I'm so sorry to hear about your roof. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully get that straightened out here the next day or so. <laughs> no, awesome and and congratulations on your success with the round. Uh, and uh, Josh Malcolm again, great work with OpenTF. Um, and can't wait to see where it goes. Thank you so much for having us. All right, yeah, definitely. This is great. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Uh, let's see if I can figure out how to log out of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just turn your phone off. <laughs>